Thank you for joining us, whether you're in person today or online as well. If you're online, hey, share uh, the feed, and that will invite someone else to join us uh, today. I'm going to invite you to turn to Revelation chapter 3, Revelation chapter uh, number 3. And uh, we are in our uh, week uh, 8 of the series, Church is Essential. And as we think about this, I want to say, before we get started this morning, thank you to uh, Pastor Haley, who uh, filled in last week, and uh, he did a great job, didn't he? And uh, all, yeah, give me a hand. All I can say is uh, he still got it, right? He still got it, and so I appreciate uh, him and his faithfulness. As we were singing that song, Great is, is His Faithfulness, we're talking, of course, about Christ, but I'm thankful for people in my life who have gone before me who are faithful, and people that I can be an example to. I look all around the church, I see people who've been here a lot longer than I have at this church and even in life in general, and I'm thankful for their faithfulness. One of those is my, my parents, so I'm thankful for them. Uh, and then I was thinking right in front of my parents today is uh, my youth pastor growing up, uh, the person who led me to Christ after I woke him up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, he loved me so much for that, but I'm thankful for Steve and Shelley and their faithfulness to the Lord. And uh, as we think about the church being essential, it's not a question, it's a reality. The question we have to ask, though, is the church effective? We understand the church is essential because, well, Jesus is essential, and Jesus instituted the church, but is it effective? And let me just kind of give you a quick review. We're going through Revelation 1, 2, and 3 we'll be in today, and uh, so we've kind of summarized each message or kind of focused on one word. The first word we looked at was, was glory, the revelation of Jesus. So the word revelation, the Greek word is ap- apocalypsis, which simply means unveiling. So the book of Revelation is an unveiling of Jesus. And so we saw the first week that we are to display his glory. The second week was the letter written to the church at Ephesus, and they had lost their first love. We are to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then the letter to Smyrna, the word was death. And the reminder there was to be faithful until death or until the end. Again, we think about that word faithfulness. The letter to the church at Pergamos was about truth, and, and the challenge Jesus gave to the church was to declare and defend the truth. The next letter to Thyatira was about holiness, and we understand that walking with Jesus is much more important than working for Jesus. Now, we are to work for Jesus, but it should come out of the overflow of our walking with Jesus. And then last week, as Pastor Haley uh, looked at the, the letter to, written to the church at Sardis, it was about life. And the statement he wa- said that the church reflects you or us. Uh, in fact, he specifically said, not just the pastor, I was thankful he added that, but it reflects us, that we all represent the church. And the church, as, as we go, so goes the church. And he asked the question, are you personally alive? Because the reality is, if you are walking with Christ and your faith is alive, well, then it's obvious the church will also be alive. But if my faith is dead, then also the church will be dead. And the sad part of the church was they were dead and didn't know it. And so the challenge is for us to look inward and say, am I walking with Christ? Am I alive in Christ? The word we're going to use today is courage. So um, this idea of courage, I think one of the best ways to kind of think about this, and we'll see this uh, really in the text this morning, is the idea of a big brother. 
and some of you have had a big brother. How many of you are the big brother? You, you are a big brother, okay? So there's two things about big brothers. Usually they're jerks. Um, and then also, also with that, they also bring courage to the younger siblings. You know, I watch this in our kids. You know, our kids are not really kids anymore. They're, our, our son is 23, our daughter is 20, and so they're about three years apart. And when Blair was nervous, scared, bashful, shy, whatever word you want to use, it was amazing the difference if Blake would say, I'll go with you. And that courage, that boldness with the big brother. And we're going to see that uh, this morning in this letter to the church of Philadelphia. Now, when we think about this church, um, it says they had little power. In other words, they had little influence. They were a small church. They definitely had a little affluence. And yet, there is no reprimand to this church. Out of the seven letters to the seven churches, this is only the second uh, that is not going to have a reprimand. There is all good things. And, and Pastor Haley alluded to that last week. Because Remember, he said he's a little frustrated that I gave him the one that was the worst one. It seemed like the dead church. He would rather preach this one. So, I mean, if you want to come up, you can take my notes. But when we think about this church, what the point of this letter to the church is this, that they would have courage. Courage to do what? To stand in face of opposition, but specifically, I think it's to, to share the gospel. Have courage to share their faith. And what is this courage founded in, or who is the courage founded in? It's in the person of Jesus Christ. Remember, Revelation is an unveiling of Jesus. And so Jesus, in this letter, the church says, because of who I am, you can have courage. You can have boldness, and we understand this. So let's think about this idea of a big brother. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. It says, for both he who sanctifies and he there being Jesus, for both he, Jesus, who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified would be followers of Jesus or us are all of one. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them a brother. You, ever, you think about that? Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, he is your brother. Paul expounded on that in Romans chapter 8. It makes it maybe it seem a little more clear. In verse 16, it says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, understand, not everyone in the world right now is a child of God. Everyone was created by God. God's intent is that they would become a child of God. But I didn't become a child of God until I woke Steve up at 2 in the morning and said, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. And at that moment, I was now adopted into the family, and I became a child of God. And then it goes on in verse 17. It says, "In the children, then if children, then heirs, heirs of God. And notice the next phrase there. And joint heirs with God. Christ. Jesus is a brother. He's the big brother that can give me the courage to stand in spite of circumstances. It says, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And I want you to think about that phrase because we're going to see that in the text. This idea of uh, what we just sang about in that first song, that one day every, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And, and it says here, if we suffer with him, then we will be glorified, really, with him. And I want to just kind of summarize this idea of courage with, with two statements. The first one is this, and it's not going to be on the screen, so if you want to write it down or, or take notes, however you're doing that this morning, unbelief sees obstacles, faith sees opportunities. Unbelief sees obstacles, but faith sees opportunities. 
And, and the second statement is this. Courageous faith is contagious faith. Courageous faith is contagious faith. All right, let's get into this, this letter that Jesus writes in Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse number 7, uh, to the church at, at Philadelphia. And he says, And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write these things, says, He who is holy. There's three words that are going to pop off here that Jesus is saying about himself. These things, he says, he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have little strength. I have kept my word and I have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but indeed I will make them come and worship before your feet. Remember what we just read? If we suffer with him, we will also worship with him. And so his idea of they will worship Christ at your feet and to know that I have loved you, that's, that's an amazing phrase. He's saying to this persecuted church, to this church who is trying to remain faithful, this church who is trying to have courage. He says, there's going to be a day when everyone will know that I've loved you. Verse 10, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast when you have that, uh, what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go out uh, and no more, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. I will write on him my new face. And then this phrase that ends every letter, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so if you've been watching online the last few weeks, you know at this moment in time, you're going you're gonna to type in, God, I'm listening. If you're actually listening, okay, don't just type the words. Now for us of in here in the building this morning, we're going to say that together, right? God, I'm listening. Can you, everybody shake your head and you're awake, we're good. All right, on the count of three, let's say, God, I'm listening. Ready? One, two, three. God, I'm listening. God, I ask this morning that as we've typed the words out, as we've verbalized these words in the room, that we would mean them, that we would hear from you, and that hearing from you would give us courage and boldness. It's in the powerful and the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So how can we have courage. The, the point of the letter is to give the church courage to proclaim Jesus. And the best way for us to have courage is if we get this idea of the big brother, well, let's get to know the big brother better. The more we know Jesus, the more courage we will have. And so the first thought in this text is that Jesus is the greatest. And so I can have courage because of who he is. He is the greatest. Don't you, don't you believe Jesus is the greatest? You could say amen a little louder. Don't, don't you believe Jesus is the greatest? And because he is great, then I can have courage and boldness. And look what he says about himself. Jesus says, I'm holy. It speaks to his deity. He says, I am true, which speaks to his purity. The sinless son of God who would take away the, the sins of the world. And he says, I have the key 
of David. And the idea key of David is speaking to his authority. So he says, I'm holy speaking to his deity. He says, I'm pure speaking to his purity. And then he says, I have the key of David speaking of his authority. And this is just a picture of the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 22. You can take time to read it, but in verses 22 and 23, there was a servant in King Hezekiah's palace named Shebna, and he was not doing what God wanted him to do. He was not following God's will. And so Hezekiah took the keys from Shebna and gave them to Eliakim. And Eliakim was a picture of Jesus. What do the keys represent? The keys, whoever had the keys to the house had the authority of the house. And so they, the keys represent authority. And we see what was one of the last things Jesus said before he left the earth. All authority is given to me both in heaven and on earth. And Paul wrote about in Ephesians 1, 22, he says, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head of all to the church. Jesus is the greatest. And because he is the greatest, I can have courage. In verse 8, he says, I have set before you an open door. Again, because he has the keys and he has all authority, he's opened a door of opportunity, and he says, what I open, no one can shut. What I shut, no one can open. Again, he is God. He's in control. But there's two ideas of a door of opportunity or an open door in Scripture. The first one is the door of, of salvation. And in John chapter 10, Jesus kind of described this a little bit. I'm going to read John 10 and, and verse 7, verse 9 and 11. And it says in verse 7, Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Verse 9, I am the door. He says again, If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and find pasture. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. So this idea of an open door in Scripture to salvation, who's the door? How do I get salvation? It's an open door for all. Jesus said, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And, and so this open door of salvation is, in fact, it's Jesus. That the only way I can get to God, the only way I can have forgiveness of sins, the only way I can have uh, a home in heaven is that I have, to open through, I have to walk through the open door of salvation, and that is Jesus. There's also a second door of opportunity in Scripture, and it speaks not only to salvation, but to service. Paul wrote about that. He said in, in Corinthians, there's an open door of opportunity, and he, he kind of expounded on it in Colossians chapter 4. In Colossians chapter 4, in verse 2 through 6, we understand Paul is in chains. He says he's, he's in prison for preaching the name of Jesus, and what does he say? Verse 2. He said, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, meanwhile, praying also for us, he's asking the church to pray that God would open to us a door for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I'm also in chains. Why? That I might make it manifest as I ought to speak. In other words, he's praying, give me courage to walk through the door of opportunity, the open door of telling people about Jesus. Our responsibility as Christians is to lead people to find and follow Jesus. And Paul is saying, I need courage. Pray that I have courage. And then he says in verse 5, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, to those who don't know Jesus. Redeem in the time. In other words, quit wasting time, Christian. Pray for courage. Pray for an open door. And then walk through it. 
In verse 6, let your, this is a great verse for all of us on social media. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. I'm going to ask for courage. I'm going to ask for wisdom. And now let's think for a moment about this. God's not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. God's plan for the open door of salvation is that we, as followers of Jesus, tell someone about him. You, you've heard me say, right, the gospel came to me on the way to someone else. The problem with a lot of us as Christians, the gospel came to us and stopped. And so we want to pray, as Paul did, God, give me courage. Please give me an open door of opportunity to serve you by leading people to find and follow Jesus. Uh, this week, I got a text from one of our church members, uh, Jeannie Howery, and let me just give you a warning. If something good happens in your life and you text me, I'm going to have you tell everyone, all right? So just be careful what you tell me. But I'm going to ask Jeannie to come up here because God gave her, uh, well, she prayed for an open door, and God opened the door. That's the easy part. The hard part then is walking through the door. And so pray for Jeannie as she needs courage right now to share with you, all right? Thank you, Jeannie. Thank you. I uh, talked to Judy Beard. Where are you? There you are. I asked her last night, I said, I need to give a testimony at church. I said, I'll write it, and I'll pay you to give it. Because <laughs> she likes to do things in front of people. But uh, anyway, it didn't work out. So <laughs> uh, last Monday when I got up, um, I knelt down and prayed and asked the Lord to use me and to open a door of opportunity um, and uh, just use me that day. Um, it was going to be interesting because uh, Jerry was at work and we have one car and I thought, well, and I'm home all day. But um, it got around lunchtime and I heard a knock at the door and I opened it. It was a young man. He was selling um, exterminating services. And that was really neat how the Lord worked it out because Jerry had been telling me for two or three uh, weeks that we needed to get an exterminator out because um, there's this real cute little mouse in the backyard with pink ears and pink nose, and he's real cute. And I let him eat the bird seed, but now there's seven. So, <laughs> and they're not cute. They're gray and big and ugly. <laughs> so anyway, so the Lord, you know, was working behind the scenes, and that happened. So I listened to the kid, and he was really polite. And um, how many of you have the Next Door Neighbor app? That little green, I, I do too. And um, I have been reading comments on it about a high-pressure salesman wearing a safari hat going around in the neighborhood selling pest control. And I thought, uh-oh, is this him? He doesn't have the hat. But um, it wasn't him. He was really nice and really polite. And uh, anyway, I read down further uh, past all the negative con comments, and someone put a link to the company. And it had good things to say. It was a good company. It had a good reputation. It was new. I think it was out of up north. And that it uh, had good price. So I listened. All right. So um, when he finished uh, doing what he was saying, I noticed he was sweating. I said, do you want a bottle of water? He said, I sure could use a bottle of water. It is hot out here. So I gave him a bottle of water. And um, uh, I invited him in because I told him I would do the services. I would like to sign up for him, and I'd have to sign a contract, so I invited him in. And we were just doing some small talk. He said he's 21. He's from North Carolina. Um, and just, you know, talking a little bit, and then I heard these words. Tell him about me. 
And I go, Lord. And he said, tell him about me. And, um, and see, by that time, I had kind of forgotten about it. But I thought, yep, it's the Lord. So I asked him where he went to church. He said he hadn't been going to church. He was a Catholic. I used to be a Catholic, so I could relate to him. And um, I asked him, was there ever a time in his life that he asked the Lord to come into his heart and save him? And he, he said, yes. And I, I said, when was that? And he said, he didn't really know. And so um, I said, I think I know what you believe. You already believe Jesus was born in a manger. He lived a sinless life. He was crucified on the cross, and he, was, he died and was buried and rose again. And he said, yeah, I do. And I said, well, the devil knows that too, and he's not going to heaven. Um, and then I told him um, that Jesus needed to be more than a universal savior to me years back he was a, a universal savior he died for everyone and if you believe that you would go to heaven but um, I found out later on that he needs to be a personal savior and there's a difference um, so I told him that could happen simply by saying a prayer and asking the Lord to come into his heart to save him and I said would you like to do that I said you don't have to do it you've already made the sale I've already signed the contract <laughs> And he said, no, I'd, I'd like to. And I said, well, would you like to say a prayer yourself or follow me in a prayer? And he said, I, I'd rather follow you in a prayer. So um, I went ahead. He bowed his head, and he just repeated after me, Dear Lord, I know I am a sinner and ask you to forgive me. I believe you died on the cross in my place to pay my sin debt that I could never pay. And I believe you were buried and rose again from the dead, from the grave. Please come into my heart and save me. I take you as my personal savior today. So um, after that, when I, I prayed for him, that the Lord would uh, lead and guide him into a Bible-believing church. And he asked me where I went, and I said, Hallmark Baptist Church, and told him a little bit about it. And um, anyway, when I was through praying, he said, thank you, Lord. And he also said, well, maybe I'll have a better day today now. <laughs> and he was smiling. I told him he now has two birthdays. He had his uh, original birthday when he was born, but now he was born into the family of God. And that his new birthday, his spiritual birthday, was July 20th, 2020. And so he seemed really happy. I briefly explained uh, uh, baptism to him. I knew he was in a hurry, you know, to get door to door, um, and that it was about not sprinkling, but an immersion, a picture of, you know, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And then I said also that uh, you get baptized after you get saved. I know as Catholics we believed you get baptized as a baby, but they don't know they're sinners, so you get baptized after you're saved. So um, anyway, I'd like you to pray for him. His name is Jake. I'm going to give him a call this week and invite him to come this Sunday. And um, to me, this was a door of opportunity. The Lord brought someone to my door. It was a divine appointment. And um, if I can do it, anybody can. Thank you, Jeannie. Would you give her a hand? I appreciate that. Wow. Uh, he literally opened the door of opportunity, right, at her own house. And so the, the easy part is to pray, God, open a door. The hard part is when he opens the door to actually walk through it. And so what he's telling the church here is, uh, I, I want to give you courage 
to walk through the door? And how do I have courage like Jeannie? How do I have courage like the church at Philadelphia is that I understand who Jesus is. We, we said, number one, he's the greatest, but number two, he's also committed. Jesus is committed to us. It's not just committed to us for this life, but for the life of eternity, for eternal life. And in verse 9, he says, I will make them come and worship before your feet. He's talking about the Jews, the religious Jews who didn't believe Jesus, and they were oppressing the church of Jesus. And he says, I'm going to make them when they worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. What an amazing thought. Jesus loves you. And the picture here is what Paul wrote about in Philippians that we sang about this morning that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And the understanding Jesus is telling the church here is at that moment when we, everyone bows and worships the name of Jesus, those who chose not to follow Jesus, the Jews he's talking about here, are going to realize in your presence, in the presence of Jesus, that you were right. Jesus is the Messiah. I have loved you in this understanding of like this vindication that they followed the right path. They walked through the door of salvation. Jesus is the greatest. Jesus is committed to us not only in this life, but eternal life. And the third one is Jesus is present. I love that thought. In a moment, we're going to sing the song, God with us. And Psalms 46, one says, God is a refuge, an ever-present help in time of trouble. In Deuteronomy, it says, he will never leave us or he will never forsake us, that Jesus is present. And it says here in verse number 10, because you have kept my command, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. And we, we don't have time to dig into all of this passage and what it means, but what we can apply to us and the Church of Philadelphia could apply to themselves is that in life, as a follower of Jesus, we are going to face persecution to some degree. Jesus said that the world is going to, it was a harsh word when he said, the world is going to hate you because they first hated me. Now, you realize that the majority of the world does not have the opportunity to gather in a place like this and didn't have the freedom to gather in a place like this. And I think you're probably thinking the same thing I, I am, that you realize even in our culture currently, it, it seems way more possible that in the next few years, this may not be legal anymore. Doesn't, doesn't that seem like that could be a reality for us? So the question for us, like the Church of Philadelphia, in spite of persecution, not only from the government, from the Jewish religious people, is that are you going to have courage to share your faith in spite of persecution? And we understand this speaks specifically to the gospel. Are we going to have confidence? Or are we going to have courage to share the gospel? What was the last words of Jesus before he ascended into heaven? He said that he has all authority of heaven and on earth. And then he says, make disciples. And how does he end the phrase there, that little talk? Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's think about that, what I would say, the, like the gospel, the courage sandwich there, because he starts out with saying, I have all authority, I have the keys. I'm in control. 
Now go make disciples. And by the way, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So the power of Jesus calls us to share the gospel, but it's the presence of Jesus that gives us the courage to do it. Jesus is the greatest. Jesus is committed. He is present. And, and maybe the best one to think about, number four, is Jesus will reward you. Jesus will reward. Look at verse number 11. Behold, I am coming quickly. You realize that today we are closer to the day of Jesus returning than we've ever been before? And you realize that every major prophecy in Scripture of Jesus coming back has already been fulfilled? That at any moment, what did he said here? Behold, I am coming quickly. Listen, when that process happens, it's, it's here, it's gone. And we have a limited time. Remember what Paul prayed, redeeming the time that we need to invest. We need to uh, lead people to find and follow Jesus. Verse 11, behold, I come quickly. And he says, hold fast for what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go out no more, and I will write on, the, on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear. And there's three words he uses in here that would describe the reward. The first word he uses is crown. And it's this idea of a victor's crown that, that we win. And the reality is we don't win, but the reality is Jesus wins. And because Jesus wins, guess what? We win. Remember the old song? Victory in Jesus. Because Jesus wins, I win with him. The reward of the victor's crown. The second word he uses is a pillar. And this is bring the idea of stability. It would speak specifically to the church at Philadelphia because the city in this time period was known for many, many earthquakes and not being stable. So this picture of I'm going to make you a pillar in the church of God is just bringing this idea of not only stability here in the earth, but it's stability for eternity. A crown, a pillar, and the third one is a name. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a child of God. I am a joint heir with Christ. And so what we have to wrestle with is the words of Paul said, this present suffering, it doesn't compare to what? The future glory. Are you looking forward to seeing Jesus face to face? And I, I pray that as for us as a church that we would have courage to lead people to find and follow Jesus that when we bow before Christ, we don't stand before him empty-handed. That we do get to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter and enjoy your reward. Enter into my rest. Now, I think you guys are probably a lot like me. I mean, that's a good thing or a bad thing. You can decide for that. But can I be really transparent with you this morning? There's many days in my life that I'm not thinking about eternity. I'm not thinking about heaven. I'm just trying to get through the day. Listen to what Judas Smith says. If we're going to live like Jesus... We need to think about heaven more. 
It's as simple as that. Ironically, here's where it's going to get tough for you to listen or to read. When it comes to our passions and our priorities, we often live as this planet where forever and heaven were temporary. If I were to daily think about the guy that knocks on my door may not know Jesus, and he may spend an eternity in a place called hell suffering for his sins. But often, just to be honest with you, I don't, I don't think that. I think this guy at my door wants to sell me something, and I don't want to buy it. Can I get an amen to that? But do you see what I'm, the way I'm thinking is temporary. And if I would think of every person as an eternal being, where are they going to spend eternity? That statement we've said often that if today Jesus were to answer every prayer you prayed yesterday, who would be in heaven? You see, unbelief sees obstacles, but faith sees opportunities. And when I have courageous faith, it becomes contagious faith. So there's two doors for everyone. There's a door open of salvation, and Jeannie clearly gave us the gospel that Jesus died, that he was buried, that he rose again. And if I call on the name of Jesus, I can walk through the open door of salvation. And my challenge for you this morning, whether you're watching online, whether you're here in the room, whether you watch this later as it's recorded, I want you to answer the question for yourself. Have you ever walked through the door of salvation? Have you ever given your life to Jesus? I want to ask you to close your eyes for a moment in the room. And this morning, maybe God has revealed to you that you have never walked through the door of salvation. And today, like Jeannie said, today could be your spiritual birthday. So whether you're online, whether you're in the room, if you would like to walk through that open door of salvation... Just like Jeannie led this young man through a prayer, I want to do the same thing with you right now. It's simply you placing your faith in Jesus, walking through this open door. So online, in person, if you want to walk through that door, I'm just going to ask you to pray. You may say something like this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that he came back to life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life, and to save me. And I'm going to ask you whether, again, you're online or in the room, if you prayed that prayer, would you just text the word SAVED to the number there on your computer screen or your TV or if you're in the room, the number on the, the screen here. And I, I would just love to celebrate with you because what we've been talking about is that now you are a child of God, that you are an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ, and you are a part of the family. We would love to celebrate that with you. I'm going to ask everybody in the room to open your eyes for a moment, look up at me, because uh, the next door of opportunity, the next open door for all of us as followers of Jesus is, are we going to walk through the door of service? And are we going to share our faith? Are we going to have the courage to say, you know what? This person needs Jesus.
you're going to have to open, you're going to have to walk through that open door. You're going to have to make the decision. It's one thing to pray it. God, give me an opportunity today. I don't have a car. I can't go anywhere. I'm stuck at home. It seems like a safe prayer, doesn't it? But then someone knocks on the door. And Jesus says, are you going to tell them about me? I pray we would all have courage to pray for an open, an open door and we would walk through it. God, I ask today that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, Lord, because of who you are, because of your goodness, because of your greatness, because of your presence and your power in us, Lord, that we, as followers of Jesus, would pray every single day, God, open a door of opportunity for me to share my faith. And when you open the door, Lord, may we just simply walk through it. Lord, we want to end the service today just singing about who you are, that you are with us, that it is you that gives us courage. It is you that gives us strength. And may we lead people to find and follow you. Would you stand with me this morning as we close the service out and then sing this wonderful song, God is with us.